You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. I want to get into the Word this morning. If you got your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans in chapter number 7. There's a lot I want to say this morning. Don't let that scare you. But there is a lot I'd like to say. This last few weeks, I've been trying to help us and trying to talk about uh, assurance, assuring us of our relationship with the Lord. And also, give me a little monitor, please. And also helping us in regards to living for the Lord, our, our walk with God and our relationship with the Lord. It's not fun living for God when you're always worried about if you're saved or you're not saved. And that's what religion and that's what legalism has done to the church world. And so we want to assure you, I, I do not believe that grace is a license to sin and live. The Bible doesn't teach that that at all, that a license to live however that you want to live, but grace is. If it, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us plainly, and 4 and 16 tells us that grace is there to help us. And I don't know if you figured this out or not, but I figured out real quick in my Christian walk that I needed some help. And so I want to, this morning, further that just a little bit, that teaching, and maybe help us in, uh, in our walk with the Lord and our relationship with God. Romans chapter number 7, and we'll look, I'm cutting right in the middle of it, I just can't help it, but uh, there's a lot I'm leaving out, but we'll look starting in verse number 15, and read down to verse number 19, and pay very close attention to the wording here, it's, it can be complicated, uh, but it's not complicated. The Apostle Paul wrote here, <clears throat> for that which I do, I allow not, for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin or the sin nature that dwells in me, dwelleth in me. Verse number 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth in me. No good thing. I want y'all to get that. This is the scripture. The apostle Paul wrote here as the Holy Spirit inspired him and said, Right, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And the reason that I stopped to emphasize that this morning is because this is contradictory to the teaching of the world or the teaching of psychology. Psychology would teach that we're all we are all good. We just have to teach how to bring that good out. And the, the fact, and let me just be short about it, is you either have to believe psychology or you have to believe the Word of God because the two are contradictory to the one to the other. In verse 18, I'll finish this. Dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. And what he is saying here, well, I've come to live for the Lord. I'm born again. I'm saved. But what I want to do is not what I'm doing. And what I don't want to do is what I'm doing. And he is plain with us and says the desire to do good, the desire to please God is there. I just don't know how to perform what God is asking of me. And any believer has been in this same spot that the Apostle Paul is telling us about. So I want to minister, and I'm going to teach. Don't close your Bibles, but I want to teach just a little while on this thought, how to properly 
how to properly live for God. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray? Father, I love you this morning. I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. And we thank you, God, for every individual, every family that is represented here this morning. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would open our ears, God, to hear our hearts to receive your word, God, and anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. God, I know the task that is before me is greater than what I am, but I know and I believe, God, that with your help, Lord, that we, God, that the power of the Holy Spirit is about to confirm some things to somebody this morning. Do the work that you've came to do, and I'll be very careful to give you all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody says, Amen. I want to say this, and I'll get right into my message, but this morning, tonight also, tonight, uh, the Lord has stirred my heart about a message tonight also, and I feel this morning and this evening both services will be important for you, and so I encourage you, if you don't normally come out on Sunday night and you're able to come, uh, we, we, we are blessed. We have a great crowd Sunday morning and Sunday night, and we thank God for that, but I just want to encourage you, if you're able to come out uh, tonight, then I, I encourage you to do so if you can. For the believer and the born-again believer, and I'm, I'm saying that, I'm stressing that, the believer that is born again. I told you I'm going to slow down and teach, but I want us to understand some things. When I say believer, and then I say the born-again believer, I'm trying to, uh, to, to put a difference there between somebody that has a head knowledge that Jesus Christ is God and somebody that truly believes from the heart that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Because there's a dramatic difference. See, having a head knowledge is not salvation. Having a head knowledge is not the born-again experience that Jesus talked to Nicodemus about in John chapter number 3. And I want you to know that you can know that Jesus is the Savior and still not make heaven your home. But if you have believed from the heart that Jesus is the Savior of the world and you have asked Him to forgive you, then that's what I'm talking about, having a born-again experience. We are born again. We've been baptized into Jesus Christ. The old man has been buried. A new man has been resurrected. The sin nature has been made dormant, and I've been given a divine nature. And now my desire and my, uh, my will is not to please sin or to please the things of the world, my desire is to do the things and to please God. That's how I know that I've had a born again experience. Now, uh, we, we, I want you to know this morning that every born again believer, and I'm, I'm stressing that, every born again believer has a desire to please God, to serve God, and to invest in their faith. Every born again believer has a desire to please God. To serve God and to invest in their faith. To continue to build upon their faith in Jesus and what He has done for me on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Are you here this morning? I know I'm slowing down and I'm teaching, but I want you to know, because I've argued, I'm not argued, but I've debated, I'll quickly walk away, because I have people that tells me, you know, I'm born again, but I have no desire to, uh, to live for God, it's just not there, but I know, oh, there's no doubt in my heart and in my life uh, that I'm born again, and they have no desire at all to please the Lord. Listen, when I talk about a born again experience, I'm talking about something that is supernatural. It's a miracle working power of the Holy Spirit, and when God the Holy 
Spirit comes in and takes the old man and crucifies you with Jesus and buries you in Jesus and raises you up as a new man. Don't sit and try to argue with me that you have no desire to please God. That's not the born again experience of the Bible. I didn't say we would be perfect. I didn't say that everything would be uh, completely polished in your life. But if, listen, if you, I'm going to move on. If you don't have a desire to please God, I'm just going to be blunt and say it. If there's no desire to please God, there was no born again experience. There was no born again experience of the Bible. Now, life is a test. Life is every day. Our faith is constantly being tested. Constantly being tested. A hard lesson for the believer, especially when we want to represent holiness and righteousness. Look, when I'm in the world, I know that in my heart there's some things going on that the Lord's not pleased with. That's between me and God. He's still working on me to make me what I want to be. But watch this. In the world, I want to be careful. I want to be more careful to represent Jesus Christ for who I ought to be representing. I don't want to go to the restaurant and be the one. Look, there's a problem, and I know I've used this before, but there's a problem when the waitresses say that on the Sunday crowd after service is the meanest crowd of the week. Then we have a lot of people that are going to church, but they're not advertising any kind of godly character. And when the love of God is not showing through them, I have to back up and say, have you been born again? Do you know how to walk in the Spirit? And let me just be blunt and say, why are you not being changed and transformed into the image of Christ? Why not? Why are we not seeing some maturity? Sons and daughters, and we're not seeing any fathers being raised up in the church, any elders. And so a hard lesson is even though we love God and we have that desire to please God, I have no desire. Listen, I'm not a perfect man, but there's nothing in me that wants to fail God. There's nothing in me that wants to offend God. And so you know what happens when I do fail God, and if I do offend God, I immediately go and say, God, will you forgive me for what I've just done? Why did I do that? Because I want to turn from it, and I don't want to offend God. Look, me and Sister Becky, we're working on 18, 19 years of marriage. There's a lot of apologies that goes into a marriage when you are working on a marriage. Amen. Married people, you're not going to be married long. Come on, you have perfect. If I talk to your spouse by theirself, they're not going to make you out to be such an angel. Come on, preaching good. Husband, wife, everybody's saying, well, I don't mind you, but, you know, he's kind of right there. I'm not going to, they're sitting right next to me. I got to stay quiet. It's okay. But I know the truth. And so if we're going to live for God, let me tell you this. You're going to have to learn how to repent. you got to learn to repent. <laughs> Jesus loved you. He, you know he died for us before we ever came to him. When we were still in the filth and the sin we were in, he died for you. He loved you then. He knew you wasn't perfect then. You're not, we're not perfect now. But if we're going to live for God, we've got to learn to repent. 
and ask God to help us. No perfect person in here today. There was only one that was perfect, and that was Christ. So we need a little help. And let me say this, I'll move on. Not repent as a crutch. Not repent as a safety, uh, just as a safety plan. Well, I'll go ahead and I'll repent later. As if God is blind and ignorant. Well, God don't know the intent of my heart, so I'll go ahead and I'll ask God to forgive me. Come on. But when I find myself in a place that I need to repent, true repentance means to turn from it and to depend upon grace to change that in me that's good well what do you mean change that in me i don't know i don't know what that is in you and you don't know what that is in me but it's everything from a bondage to our temper to depression it's everything the lord didn't leave anything out i need god to change some things in me so this morning I hope to reinforce or I hope to teach how to perform when we're not at church, when my faith is tested, Monday through Saturday, that's what we want to talk about. That's the battleground. Look again at verse number 15. Verse number 15 says, For that which I do allow, or for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I simply talking about and i know I, I hope look i know i'm teaching i know i'm slowing down but i want you to be involved can anybody relate to this i found myself doing something and then i'm thinking what in the world am i doing i'm a believer i love god why in the world did i just say that why did i act that way what i'm doing is not what i want to be doing in fact if you love God, what you're doing and it offends God is what you will hate. Let me move on. I got a lot of ground I'd like to cover and I'm not going to get it covered. Look at verse number 18. We'll start teaching here. He says this, for I know, this is what the Apostle Paul knows, that in me, he's given you a personal testimony that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will or the desire is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not how to perform that which is good. i got to ask you a question. What's he talking about? What are we trying to perform? What is it that he's talking about how to perform that which is good? we got to answer that question. And I, I, The word perform here means to accomplish. So the Apostle Paul is saying in the life of the believer, there is something that ought to be accomplished. And if we even look at the, the, we look at the definition of grace, grace is the divine influence, the divine influence of the Spirit, and it is the reflection in one's heart. And when we look deeper into that and look at influence, it's talking about a change of character. Again, it reinforces the fact that if you are born again and not being changed, you're not born again according to the Bible. Because it will change your character. Little by little, the evidence of our born-again experience is that we are being changed. The Apostle Paul says, I don't know how to perform. The word perform means to accomplish. What is it that we are trying to accomplish? We are trying, uh, yeah, and his will, and he says, let me say this before I move on. He says the will is there. So let me say this. The Apostle Paul's will is there. What's that mean? His willpower is there. 
Your willpower is there. But here's what you got to know. Willpower is not how power. Because your willpower is not enough to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in our heart. Again, we need, and I'm throwing you under the bus with me because as far as I know, you came in the flesh also. We need a little help in order to be what God wants us to be. Now, willpower is not how power. His will is there, but he says, I still don't know how to perform. What are we trying to accomplish? Well, let me move here uh, just for a good example. Go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. What is it? That we are trying to accomplish. The Apostle Paul says, I beseech you or I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, watch this, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let's go ahead and read verse number two and we'll back up. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now watch this in verse number one. We, we want to be, what are we trying to accomplish? We want to be holy. We want to be acceptable. Am I by myself this morning? I want to be holy. I want to be acceptable unto God. Maybe a lot of people in the world don't accept me, but I want God to accept me. I want to be holy. I want to be acceptable under God. And watch this. He says this. This is reasonable. He didn't ask too much of us. It's your reasonable service. God has not put something more on you than what can be accomplished in us. Why is it reasonable? Well, let's back up and look at this. We were sinners. We were separated from God. Here's what Jesus did for you. First of all, he said, I just want you first to believe that you're a sinner. I got that covered. I've I've learned that very well. Then I want you to believe that my blood is sufficient. We had a sin debt hanging over our head that we could not pay. So this is what Jesus did. He said, I'll come to the earth. I will spend my life. I will fulfill the law completely. I will place in a new covenant of grace and mercy. I will shed my blood to wash away and to take away all of your sins. I will pay your sin debt. I will die. I will take the keys of death and hell. I will resurrect so that you can live in the newness of life. I will return for you. But while you're here, though I go, I will send you another, the comforter, to lead you, to guide you, and to direct you. What did he do? He paid your sin debt. He died for you. He gave you help to live for God. All you got to do is believe. I think that's pretty reasonable. I think that's pretty reasonable. All I got to do is place my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. And I'm guaranteed the help of the Holy Spirit. No, what he's asked is not unreasonable. It's reasonable for all. The only thing that he didn't give us in regards to living for him, he did not leave you an excuse that makes any sense. He didn't leave you an excuse. Well, you don't know what's going on in my life. No, I don't. But I know what Jesus did for you for your life. And so he didn't leave us. We have no excuse when we stand before the Lord. Verse number two. We don't want to be conformed. We don't want to be conformed to the world. We want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. The renewing of my mind. What's that mean? Well, you got you to understand what's he teaching. He's teaching. He's bringing in what happened at the new covenant. He's teaching grace and mercy. He's teaching what happened when you said yes to Jesus in Romans chapter number 6. But here's what was going on. Their whole thought process was law and works. The new covenant would bring to them grace and mercy. 
He said, you're going to have to start thinking about grace and the help of the Holy Spirit or you're going to continue to spin your wheels trying to keep a law that you cannot keep. We've got to be transformed. How do we get transformed? By the renewing of our mind. What's that mean? I've got to start thinking grace. I've got to start thinking I placed my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary because my works are not accomplishing anything. I'm not deleting works. I get to that in just a second. But here's the struggle. We, you're with me, we want to accomplish what God wants to be accomplished by our own self-help, our own willpower. What is it that I need to do in order to be what God needs me to be? Not a bad question if we answer it the right way. The struggle is that we want to do it by law and works because that is our flesh. That's our fleshly nature. And what the Apostle Paul says, you're not going to get no, you're not ever going to be able to accomplish it by law and works. Our forefathers couldn't do it. So you're going to have to start thinking grace and faith. So they were coming from law that demanded works, and he said, You are now under grace that demands faith. So how do we accomplish what God wants? How do we be transformed? It's by grace and faith and not by law and works. And this is a problem in our flesh because our flesh says, I can do it. When grace says, I go back to Zechariah, the prophecy of Christ, or the prophecy of Zechariah, he says, no, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, will be accomplished what God wants to be accomplished. Now, not only... Well, law and works fail in regards to accomplishing what God wants to accomplish. I'm talking about how to perform. But they will puff up, puff, puff us up. Law and works will begin to puff us up. We'll begin to get a little pride in self. Increase my Bible reading, and if I place my faith in my Bible reading, now look, I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Reading your Bible is right. It's a common action of the believer. It's a common thing of the believer. But if I start to count on, well, look at me, look at me, I read 10 chapters a day. Well, I'm glad you did. Tomorrow I hope you read 20. But if you're putting your faith and your trust in what you're doing instead of what you're reading should be pointing you to, which is Jesus, then we have a problem. Now, law and works will fail. They will puff us up. It will encourage the flesh. That's why it's so important. We've stressed it so many times. You've got to be careful who you listen to spiritually. Pastor Brian, he said it well when he said, you know, it's sad when you've got to monitor what your family watches on TV. It's even worse when you've got to monitor what they watch on Christian television. Because if somebody's trying to pour into you indoctrinally and they're teaching law and works, all they're doing is agitating the flesh and puffing the flesh up. We don't want to look. If they're pointing you to what you do, I taught a class, and I asked a question at the beginning of the class. I said, if somebody, and I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Brother West was with, was with me. I said, if somebody comes to you and they say, I've got a problem with this in my heart, in my life. Let's just give the example. They come in three weeks ago. They gave their heart to Jesus. They love God. They love God with all of the heart. And all of a sudden, they single you out 
And they say, look, I love God. I'm trying to live for God, but I've still got a problem with this. I don't know how to be free from it. So I asked the class, what do you tell them? I mean, if I'm preaching, then their blood is on my hands. I'm accountable to them. If they single you out, then your answer, you're accountable. So what do you tell them? I got a bunch of different answers. And all of the answers, I started writing them down on the board. Okay. Give me another answer. Okay. And here's what I wanted them to see. I said, I want you to look at these answers. All of these answers have something in common. Everybody in here has told me what to do. Not a single person has told me what to believe. Nobody's told me what to believe. Can I just use an age-old? Well, just go and lay it on the altar. Can I, can I tell you this this morning? I don't mean no disrespect. That doesn't mean nothing to somebody that just got saved three or four weeks ago. Well, what's that mean? I just go up to the altar and pray? We just got to lay it on the altar. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm trying to be plain. The fact of the matter is, it's not what we do. It's what we believe. Why is that? Because the person of the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, which is grace, can only help you if your faith is in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Let me be blunt. You will not make it without the help of the Holy Spirit, and he cannot help you unless your faith is in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. So we have to examine our heart. What am I trusting in? What am I looking at? Let me go, let me try to find my place up here. I better understand how to perform. Let me, let me first, let me talk about this just for a minute. How is it that I do not perform? I think all, uh, well, I'll speak for me. I've pretty well got it mastered how to not perform. We have choices. Here's your choice. Whatever hang up, whatever sin, whatever problem, whatever it is that would offend God, you either have to approach it by law and works, or you have to approach it by grace and faith. Everyone. Law demands your performance. It always did demand performance. But grace guarantees us help of the Holy Spirit. You can't separate law and works because law demanded works. And you can't separate grace and faith because grace doesn't come without faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. So they go hand in hand. But I, I want to stay basic, I, I want, but, I, but I want you to look at something. When I talk about law, and when we look at law in the Bible, guys, we look at law in the Bible, I, we can interchange with works because law and works, again, I know specifically, sometimes talking about the old law, but what the old law demanded was their performance. Because what the Lord was trying to show them was, I want you to try to keep this law so that I can show you you can't keep the law. That's what he's trying to do. And so when we look at law, we're talking about works, and I'm going to relate that to some, uh, to some today works in just a minute. But I, I want to stay basic. Let me look at purpose of the law, Galatians 3. Stay with me just for a minute. I know I'm, I, I'm teaching a little bit, but I want you to see this. Watch this. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster... To bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that true faith has come, we are no longer 
under a schoolmaster. Now watch this. I want to define a couple of words. And I'm asking you to go back later and check me. Look in the Strong's and see exactly what it's talking about. But here's what you understand. First of all, the law's purpose was to reveal sin. It was to show us that what God expected or demanded of us, that we, we, we just couldn't equal up to it. We fell short. Romans 3 and 23, for all have come short, fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, that's what the law's purpose was, okay? In Galatians here, when we look at the word law, the word law here, it means, it literally means in the Strong's to parcel out. To literally parcel out like we're grazing animals. Now, I'm not calling you a grazing animal this morning. Tough crowd. But I'm telling you that law specifically means parcel out. It's not parcel in. It's parcel out as a grazing animal. When you parcel something out, something is left out. And you are restricted to a certain area. Everybody, everybody with me? I got some cattle farmers in here. You'll get this in just a second. But we're all parceled out. We're restricted to a certain, look, I put a fence up, a divider fence, and you can't go past this point. It's parceled out. What was parceled out of the law? The thing that was parceled out of the law was the means for me to inherit righteousness. The law is good and the law is holy, but the law never gave a man righteousness. It was not meant to produce righteousness. So I'm in this parcel, and inside this parcel, it's good. It's good here. But it can't give me what I really need because the thing that is left out is my relationship with Christ, and that's what's been parceled out. Now watch this. Do you know what you do in a divider fence? We put up a gate. Why we put up a gate? Because we want to let them out and go into another fence. A gate could be a door. You know who the door is? Yeah, we're getting there. The door is Christ. Jesus said, I am the door. The only way that righteousness was no longer parceled out is because Jesus came to us. Gave his life for us, and now that I believe upon him, righteousness is no longer parceled out from me. Come on, I'm preaching good. I'm enjoying it more than you are. But look, schoolmaster. The word schoolmaster means a young servant boy. A young servant boy. You know what his job was? His job was to find you and to take you to the schoolhouse where you could learn. Watch this. That we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. In other words, there's going to come a point where the schoolmaster's job is over. The schoolmaster is the law. Look, I'm not under the old covenant. I'm under a better covenant with better promises. The schoolmaster's job was to come and to take you by the hand and to lead you to the schoolhouse where Jesus is the teacher. But once he got you there where Jesus was the teacher, his job is done and it is over with. Listen, I want you to know this morning, we are no longer under the law. We're no longer need a schoolmaster because Jesus has come to teach us and to bring us righteousness. Amen. Now, Romans 3 and 20. 
I don't, got, I don't got a lot more, I promise you. Therefore, watch this. By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. And in sight, it bothers me today, and I mean this kindly, but there are, it bothers me today that there are still believers that are trying to keep the law to be right with God. Watch this. No flesh will be justified. It's not even a chance. It's not even a chance. No flesh is going to be justified by the deeds of the law. Be justified in the sin. Watch this. For the law, by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law that wasn't here to save us. The law is to show us that we're a sinner. That's the purpose of it. I do it sometimes, but you really shouldn't use a crescent wrench for a hammer. Because if you hit something hard enough, that little turny thing in there is going to get loose and you mess your wrench up. That's not its purpose. Yeah, turny thing. That's not its purpose. The purpose of the crescent wrench is, is to fit down on something and turn it. It's not for a hammer. You understand? You can't take a hammer and turn a, a nut. If it's real tight and you get real mad at it, you can beat on it. Most of the time it don't help, but it sure makes you feel better. All right, I'll move on. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse number 21. But now the righteousness of God, watch this, the righteousness of God without the law. The righteousness of God, why is that? I've repeated this, but I've got to repeat it again. Because the law didn't produce righteousness. It didn't produce, okay. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, verse number 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. We're all the same. We've all, the ground is level at the foot of the cross in verse number 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I want you to look at one more scripture. Romans 8 and 3, look at this. For what the law could not do, why? Because we're parceled in. Under the law, we were parceled in. What the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. The law demanded willpower. The law demanded for your performance. And what he said was, the flesh was too weak. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. He was our last Adam. He was our representative man that was able to condemn or bind sin in the flesh. He came in the flesh. He lived perfect and he lived holy. And because of that, we have the opportunity to live holy and perfect also. Now, the goal of being holy and acceptable before God is not accomplished by what we do. It's accomplished first by what we believe. The Holy Spirit does not help by works. He can only help by faith. And when we talk about works, when we talk about law, law demanded works, we talk about works today, it's no difference that we're trying to depend upon our own performance. It includes any performance that might accomplish, that might, we might attempt to accomplish what is holy and acceptable and being changed. I want to say this. I wasn't going to do this. Brother, Troy, will you grab me that podium in there? I want, I want to do something just real quick. 
and just roll it out here. When we start talking about, just right up front here, yeah. Perfect, thank you. When we start talking about being holy and perfect, my faith, in order for the Holy Spirit to work in me, for grace to flow and I have the help of the Holy Spirit. Look, if this is your desire, I'm telling you how to perform right now. My desire is for my faith to grow in Christ, in Jesus Christ, and to be transformed. We read it, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I don't want to be conformed to the world. Young people, you don't want to be conformed to the world. We want to be transformed into the image of Christ. I'm going to use my Bible just for a moment as just as a, a model of Christ. My faith must remain in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. Now watch this. The moment that I gave my life to Jesus and what he did on the cross, I all of a sudden had desires that I didn't have before. Come on, you remember the time that you got saved and then you walked out thinking, man, I just want more. I just want to learn more. I've had people say, I got... I, Getting saved felt so good, I wish I could do it all over again. Well, I, I'm thankful for that testimony, but the fact is, we should renew daily. Each and every day, we ought to have that experience with the Lord. But my faith remains in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. Now, I've got a desire to pray. I've got a desire to read his word. I've got a desire to fast. I've got a desire for all of these things. Because why? Because they're the things of the Lord. Here's what I want you to see. Use these Kleenex bottles. It's just I'm probably going to make a wreck here. But uh, boxes as a model that can represent Bible reading or anything else. Here's what we see. A person gets saved. They put their faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. And all of a sudden, I, I, I want to read my Bible. That's good. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And you should want to read your Bible. But what happens so many times when the church don't properly teach how to perform is that I take my Bible reading, I got saved, I'm going to move past, I'm going to move past, look, I can say this because I was there, I was in religion. I'm going to move past getting my, giving simple faith in Jesus and now I'm going to start to read my Bible. And I'm going to put my Bible reading, I left my faith, my, my faith is no longer, let me say it like this. I'm thankful for my initial experience of my faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. But now my full attention is I want to read, I want to pray, I want to do all of these things. And when it's not being reinforced, preaching is not being reinforced that, listen, all of these things are good, but you need to be careful. That's why the Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, and let every man examine himself. We need to examine whether we are in the faith or not is what he said. If my Bible reading starts to get, I move past my salvation experience, and now I'm trusting, you know what? I, I'm, instead of two chapters, I'm going to read three chapters a day. Instead of three, I'm going to read five. And all of a sudden, I'm putting my faith and my trust in what I'm, my Bible reading. I want to pray. I'm going to pray more. And so my prayer goes above that, and I'm putting my faith. I want to fast. And you can use it for 40 days. You can use it for self-help program. Whatever it is that is giving you a means, an alternative means in order how to live for God when I start to stack them things up above my initial faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Here's the problem. 
First of all, let me just be blunt. There's going to be some that argues that, oh, no, you won't. If your faith is not in Jesus and you're just reading your Bible because you feel like that's what you have to do, you're going to get sick and tired of it in a hurry. Because you've made a law, a work out of it. When rightfully, I keep my faith in Jesus and my Bible reading ought to be building my faith in Jesus. My prayer I ought to be growing in relationship, ought to be building my faith in Jesus. My fasting ought to be building my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. Anything, as long as it ain't man-made, let me just say it like this. My faithfulness to church when I'm hearing the message over and over again ought to be building my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Listen, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Not if you're Bible reading. Not if you're performance. I'm not trying to tear these things down. I'm trying to put them in the rightful position and tell you you cannot perform and be what God wants you to be if you move your faith from Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Romans chapter 7. I'll say this, I'm going to hush. Romans chapter number 7. One of my favorite study Bibles is a Dake study Bible, but I disagree with Romans chapter 7 because it's not consistent. Listen, Bible scholars are Bible scholars. Soak it with prayer. Look and make sure that it doesn't move from the foundation of Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Some Bible scholars will argue that Romans chapter 7 is a picture of a man that is, that is not saved. That's not true. Why would he say what I want to do is not what I'm doing? We could sum it up if we went to the end of the chapter when he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? That's not a man that is not saved. That's a man that's wanting to please God and he's having some trouble. Anybody wanted to please God and you had a little trouble? It starts out like this. I'm going to say this, I'm going to hush. It starts out talking about spiritual adultery. I'm a married man. My wife... How do I say this? Let me say this and be mature about it. Anything that I as a man need, my wife is to provide. I don't have to go outside that marriage covenant. I'm married to her. Anything she needs from a man, she comes to me. Anything, we're married. If I stepped outside of that, if she stepped outside of that, that is adultery. When God provided everything you need right there, that's adultery. The Apostle Paul starts out Romans chapter number 7 talking about spiritual adultery. He says this, Jesus has provided everything that we need through him is what he's teaching. And he doesn't say that specifically, but what he's teaching. Everything that we need spiritually has been provided through what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And when we as believers try to mix in a self-help program, if we try to mix in something else we're sticking our faith in, if we try to mix in a 12-step program, if we mix these things in, he's saying, hey, you have committed spiritual adultery. So he starts out saying, you know what? <laughs> Give me a few more minutes. You all right? Everybody awake? Your neighbor's not awake, Pinkston. He starts out saying this. I'm going to just... 
If you look at Romans 6, 7, and 8, this is what he's saying. I'm a man that wants to please God. I love God. And I want to be holy and acceptable to Him. Do you know why the Apostle Paul was turning to other things? And do you know why several believers are turning to other things today? It's not because they don't love God. It's because they do love God. And they just don't know how to perform. And the Apostle Paul, he done went through this experience with us. And he said this, I done tried other things. I done, I done tried other things. I, he knew the law better than anybody at that time. I done tried other things. And what I learned was the Holy Spirit is saying, no, you're committing spiritual adultery. You don't need to try anything else. You just need to keep your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary and allow the Holy Spirit to have latitude in your life. He will lead you, guide you, and direct you. He'll be in your ear. Oh, he'll be in your ear. Don't say that. Don't do that. Don't talk like that. And a guy argue, well, we got to go back. It's just the Ten Commandments. No, it's not. The Ten Commandments don't say thou shalt not scream at your wife. But if you do, the Holy Spirit will say, you, I'm not going to tell you what he says to me. If I was to ever. You know, I, he says, I committed spiritual adultery, so I'm just saving you the, ra- the rabbit chase. Don't commit spiritual adultery because here's what's going to happen. You're going to find that the results that you are wanting to see in your heart. Anybody just be honest with me and tell me that you, I mean, just by amen, say, I've got some things in my heart that I still want to see changed. Well, good, because that tells me you've got a desire that you're born again. Here's the thing. He's saying you don't need to try it by any other way because you're not going to get the results that you're wanting to get. It's just not going to work. If you want to know how to perform, we have to come back to simple faith in Jesus. The church does not trust the process of God. We made it complicated. We don't trust in grace. We say there's something I've got to do. What you've got to do is place your faith in Jesus and what you did on the cross of Calvary. Pastor Brian said it Wednesday night. Proper faith will produce proper works. You will have a desire. And you will have a desire to be faithful to the house of God, to read your Bible, to pray, to all of these things. You'll have a desire, but works has never produced faith. Works has never produced faith. But proper faith will produce proper works. Romans 7, a man that tried other means, and he just came up short every time. And he gave you his, he poured his heart out to us by saying, what I want. What I want to do is not what I'm doing. I bombed out again. And what I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. Bombed out again. And then he says this. We look at the text again in Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7 and verse number, I believe it's 24. He says this. Or 25. Look at 24 and 25. They're both good. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? Literally meaning, it was a form of torture, a form of death back then, that they would take you if you were guilty of something, place you in a prison cell, and handcuff you to a dead body, shackled. And you'd have to drag around this dead body. That's how bad it was. And the disease and the decay would 
filter up to your body and eventually you would die but it would be through several days of torture and the apostle paul is saying who shall deliver me from this body or oh wretched man that i am who shall deliver me from this body of death and this i thank god through jesus christ our lord back up to verse number 24 i'm sorry here's what i want you to see who shall who shall because you can't deliver yourself and it's not a how as far as something that i produce it's a person that is delivers and his name is jesus i sum up by saying this how do i perform how do i live for god Luke 9, 23, I guess, is my favorite model. Brother Jeff. It says, if any man would come after Christ, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. How do I perform? This is how I perform, and I become holy and acceptable unto the Lord because the Holy Spirit, he's going he's gonna to lead you. Look, he'll tell you how to talk. He'll tell you how to dress. He'll tell you where to go. He'll tell you where not to go. He'll tell you what to do and tell you what not to do. The Holy Spirit, he's, he's the one. But he can't work outside of what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary. So my faith must be in Jesus and his finished work. Deny myself, I first got to recognize I can't change myself. Anybody in here try to change yourself and figure it out real quickly? You can't do it? Good. He said, I take up my cross, which means to take up the benefits of what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary. Look, he didn't die for you and deliver you to bog you back down with a burden. He didn't do that. Take up my cross, personal. There's things in my life that I'll need, things in your life that you'll need that I may not never need. But everything that I'll need, Jesus has provided for me on the cross. When do I do that? Daily. We're looking at it. Daily, Luke 9, 23. Every day, Monday through Saturday. And then he says, then follow me. Luke 9, 23. If any man shall come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. What's that mean? That means I place my faith in Jesus. What he did on the cross of Calvary. Taking up grace and mercy. And the help of the Holy Spirit. Each and every day. Don't skip a day. And that's how I follow Him. Follow Him literally means to walk in the Spirit. Lord, I place my faith in You and what You've done for me on the cross of Calvary. And I'm asking for help of the Holy Spirit. Follow me. I am now get to lunchtime and I got mad and I did something I shouldn't have done. But I'm following the Lord. How do I follow Him? Lord, I just done something I shouldn't and I'm asking You to forgive me. And I'm asking You to help me and change that in me. And I go right back. Well, you know, I'd have to go to the Lord a lot. You know what? <laughs> That's okay. He's a, big, he's a big God. He's sitting there with an open ear. I literally every day as a pattern at some point. I get alone by myself. I say, God, I thank you for, for everything that you've done for me and my family. I'm thankful for ministry. I, 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 ministry is number one to me. And I thank you for keeping your hand upon us last night and keeping us safe. 
But I already know when I start this day, deny myself, I already know that within myself I'm going to fail you. So I'm asking you for help. I place my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. And I'm asking for the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking for the voice of the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct me throughout this day. God, because I just want to be holy and I want to be acceptable unto you. I want to be transformed into the image of Christ and not be conformed into the ways of the world. God, I already know I need some help. I need some help today. So I'm asking for you to help me. And guess what? He is faithful to help you each and every day. This morning, my altar call is simple. You're here this morning. Maybe I'm preaching something that you haven't heard. But you're here this morning. You say, you know what? I'm having a little trouble with the way it'll perform because my flesh keeps getting in the way. I want to take control. And this morning, I've just been reminded that I've got to back up, place my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to ask everybody in here for those to come that has had a little bit of trouble living for the Lord because I'll just go ahead and tell you this morning that's been all of us that's been all of us but this morning specifically I just want to open the altars up for a moment you say those that say I've been trying by flesh my flesh has been a problem my flesh is getting in the way this morning I just want to ask God to forgive me and I want to ask God to help me to live for Him, to perform and to be holy and acceptable unto Him. Would you come? If I reminded you of that truth, would you come? Would you come this morning? Come on, if that's you, would you come? You say, that's me. I need to do it God's way and quit doing it my way. Would you come? Come on, would you come this morning? It's by faith and grace. It's not by law and works. It never has been. Law has never produced righteousness. Would you come this morning? Would you kneel at your seat? Would you say, God, I need a little help? Come on, would you come? Pastors, would you help me? Come on, would you come? Would you find yourself a place to pray? Maybe this morning you feel led, you want to come and help somebody pray. But it's a good time to pray this morning. Let's call out to the Lord. Hallelujah. Draw Thank you, Jesus. Me nearer, nearer, nearer. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on our Facebook page, Faith Worship Center, Portia, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Portia, Arkansas, 72476. Through Messenger, or PayPal, you can find that link on our Facebook page also. Thank you, and may God bless you and your family.